It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And this week for show number 34, we're going to get topsy-turvy. We're going to celebrate the Feast of Fools. Because to help us celebrate show number 34 here at Disney On Demand, we're going to celebrate the 34th animated feature from the Walt Disney Animation Company by welcoming none other than the Gypsy King himself, Clopan, Paul Candell to the show. That's right, you may know the Gypsy King from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, where he was the narrator, the Gypsy King, and the one full of all those fantastic songs like The Court of Miracles and Topsy Turvy. And Paul's going to be stopping in and talking about his Broadway career, making this classic Disney film with The Hunchback of Notre Dame and more, as he's going to be stopping in and talking with all of you D-heads. In addition, we have all kinds of fun, as we have a ton of Disney news, hot off the D-wire, and the D-team is back. That's right, we have Jason back with The Vault, as he's going to go deeper into the collection of Disney DVDs and Blu-rays that you just want to add to your collection with another review for you. We also have Lexi, our D-team member from Down Under, as she's going to bring you a little bit more about our special guest here this week, Paul Candell. She's going to go a little bit about his history, his backstory, and just led him to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. We also have Randy here, who debuted last time here at Disney On Demand with an all-new multimedia segment for you. Like I said, there is tons of news hot off the D-Wire. We have all-new segments coming and a call-out for new DT members and more. So, in keeping with all the excitement, keeping with all the fun, I want to thank you once again for stopping in for another week full of fun, magic, and memories with our new kind of Disney show. So let's get topsy-turvy and celebrate the Feast of Fools as we kick off show number 34 for the week of March 18th, 2013. Be right back, all VD heads. Every day. 
Ever since Walt Disney started making animated films at his Burbank studio, he started winning recognition for the quality of the studio's work. Over the years, the Walt Disney Studios have received 75 Academy Awards, 58 Emmy Awards, as well as countless awards and citations and honors for both artistic and technical achievements. Walt Disney personally received 32 Academy Awards. 
Disney's Beauty and the Beast was the first animated feature film to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture of the Year. Producer Don Hahn and directors Kirk Wise and Gary Trousdale, as well as many of the artists and animators who are the creative forces behind Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, were also the people who were honored for Beauty and the Beast. Before that, I think the film industry and the public at large really looked at animation as maybe a children's medium. The Best Picture nomination really validated animation as an art form. Up there, high, high in the dark bell tower, lives the mysterious... Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. Dreams for every girl and boy Wondrous lands that make believe Will fill your heart with joy A castle easy entranceway To seven lands and more Step inside our story book Imagine what's in store It's all pure magic Wrapped up in pixie dust Welcome to a place where dreams come true Thank you. 
true birth and their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt right down that yesterday we went to my favorite place Burger King mom and dad had a special surprise waiting for me it was Quasimodo now your kids can get all four puppets from Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame just $1.99 each with any value meal and then I got carried away just like Quasimodo didn't really happen. The Hunchback of Notre Dame Puppets, only at Burger King. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff, our topsy-turvy of a day, for show number 34 here at Disney On Demand for the week of March 18th, 2013, as we are celebrating Disney's 34th animated feature, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, with special guest Paul Candell, stopping up very soon here on the show to talk about what it was like being part of this epic Disney animated feature and playing the part of the Gypsy King Clopan. We are looking forward to that one coming up very soon. So all of you D-heads out there, I do want to thank you for tuning in every week. You are the reason that we come here each and every week, and I hope you're enjoying our new kind of Disney show. It has been fantastic to be able to bring these to you. So as we're rolling into it, we have a ton of things lined up for this week's show. Lots of fun, lots of excitement. So before I roll into the news hot off the D-wire, I do want to give you different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And remember, you can always find our full list of past archives and more on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past archive shows, meet up with the D-Team, see our news blog, and all of our social media outlets, including Facebook, Twitter, and more, where you can connect up with us right there. You can also get our free iPhone app, 100% free. Just search Diz Radio, or you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and more. Just give us a look up as Disney Blue or Disney On Demand, and you'll find us right there and can subscribe. So check it out. Stay connected. DizRadio.com. So pushing right along, all of you D-heads, we have lots of fun things and tons of things off the D-wire here this week. So let's roll right into the news. And how about the hottest news happening at the Disney parks? And the Disney parks are going to require unaccompanied minors to be at least 14 years old now. That's right. The industry experts are saying that this new rule reflects a change in attitude about what age is safe for children to be left unaccompanied in a theme park. Now, many of us remember the days back when, when parents could drop their kids off at Disneyland for the day, leaving it up to Mickey Goofy to watch over the youngsters, and the Walt Disney Company has now unveiled a new admission policy requiring that children entering any of its United States-based theme parks must be accompanied by a visitor at least 14 years old. In the past, parents living near theme parks would often use them as daycare facilities, where they would drop them off during summer vacation, kids would be dropped off at night, picked up during the day, and spending a ton of money throughout the parks. But the new policy, according to Walt Disney officials, puts Disneyland's age policy in line with other companies' amusement parks. Industry experts say that the new rule reflects a change in attitude about what age is safe for children 
attraction to be left unaccompanied inside of a theme park. As they have quoted, it's just the changing of society in the world we live in. Dennis has said the president of International Theme Park Services Incorporated, an industry consultant. As he has put it, today people are more safety conscious. Now this is an all new rule which I think is pretty good. I mean I understand where you know you're leaving it up to them. We all feel 100% safe at the Disney parks. There is no question about that. We always very feel safe in there. I mean I would have no problem sending my children off to a ride and know that they're going to come back just perfect. But, you know, now is a chance where it is changing. Times are changing. And also the maturity of children, you know, where children think that they're more mature than they are, but they're really not. Um, You know, it's just, it's a changing society. And I have to say that I personally really back this rule and I think it is appropriate. Although there is that loophole because they are considering a 14-year-old an adult. That doesn't mean that that 14-year-old now can't take a 6-year-old to the park with them all day or an 8-year-old or whatnot. That 8-year-old is now being accompanied by the 14-year-old who is considered an adult. So there is still a loophole. But the days of dropping them off is over. The new age requirements is going to be 14 years old. Now, continuing on with park news, since we are in the theme park news, one of the biggest things that has hit all over the wires, you may have read it on our blog, is Downtown Disney expanding and being renamed Disney Springs. Now, Downtown Disney is getting a major makeover with a brand new name that everybody is aware of within the Disney circles, Disney Springs. After more than 30 years at the Walt Disney World Resort, the entertainment, dining, and shopping complex in Lake Buena Vista is going to be expanded and reimagined as the company has officially released. Disney Springs is going to be more than double the current Downtown Disney offerings with restaurants, shops, and entertainment areas, expanding from 75 to more than 150, according to the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts chairman, Tom Staggs. It also will give visitors a taste of old hometown Florida, replicating the -the turn-of-the-century lakeside towns that dotted the Florida landscape, as he has put it, which I think is going to be fantastic. I love that turn-of-the-century style. Now, according to the official website, construction is going to begin next month, and the expansion is going to be open in phases, as Disney is prone to do, like they did with the new Fantasyland and many other things, and is scheduled to be completed in 2016. Now, the work is definitely a plus for Florida, as it's going to add about 1,200 temporary construction jobs and 4,000 permanent jobs that are going to be added when all the phases are complete. Now, Disney Springs is going to have four distinctive areas built around a series of bubbling natural springs with a town center with a mix of shopping and dining and a promenade and a commercial district called the landing where there's going to be dining and waterfront views now there's also the marketplace and the west side which are going to remain untouched that's what they mean by the four different areas but disney springs is going to be timeless a vibrant place where walt disney world guests and local residents can relax shop dine and be entertained Now, I, for one, think this is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be a great move, and I can see why Disney wants to get rid of the Downtown Disney name. I mean, seriously, you have Downtown, you know, Universal or the City Walk or things like that, and they really want to get away from that whole Downtown Disney feel now and make it something new, fresh, that turn of the century, something a little more timeless, where I think it's just really going to stand out. Now, Disney Springs is going to open in phases, and... I, for one, think it's a great change. Many people are complaining that, you know, it's taken too long. Do we really need it? They want to relive the golden days of downtown Disney. But you know what? Things have to evolve. They have to move forward. Walt Disney said it many times. And you know what? Better late than never. So if you are a fan of the parks, if you're a fan of downtown Disney, stop your whining and just embrace it and enjoy it. Now, stepping aside from the theme parks and how about getting into the movies and IMAX and Disney 
have now come on to a new pact to release a 3D space film. That's right, IMAX and the Walt Disney Studios have announced that the agreement to produce and distribute the latest IMAX 3D cinematic space spectacle from the acclaimed filmmaker Tony Myers is going to be a mind-blowing experience for IMAX audiences for more than 40 years. That's right, this marks the first time IMAX and the Walt Disney Studios are jointly producing a film together. Now, the companies have previously collaborated on a variety of distribution films and movies, including numerous films, including Fantasia 2000 and Oz the Great and Powerful. But the upcoming 3D film, it's still untitled at this time, is going to use IMAX extremely high-resolution photography and videography, breathtaking, illuminating views of the home planet from space, exploring the astonishing changes that have occurred on Earth over the past several decades. Now, this is going to be made in cooperation with NASA, and the film is going to explore mankind's future on and off the planet, increasing and understanding our solar system. Now, they're looking for the film to be released in 2015, and I think this is going to be awesome. I mean, as Tony Myers and IMAX have said, Disney has always been a leader in creating immersive fantasy worlds for audiences, but we know that there's no more immersive world than the real one. And Disney and IMAX are going to bring that to you in IMAX format. Now, this is going to be fantastic. I know it's going to be great. I mean, many people have seen a variety of different films when we first saw IMAX cameras used on Earth back in 1990 when IMAX had Blue Planet. And it was the first time that you were able to see a variety of these that were just... I mean, beyond belief and breathtaking. And now this new film doesn't have a name yet, is part of Disney and IMAX collaborating together. And you know what? I think it's going to be awesome. I'm a fan of the Disney Nature series, and I'm a fan of just great documentaries in IMAX format. Join up the two, and I think we have a winner. Now, moving from the big screen, and how about the small screen? And let's talk about all of you D-heads out there who are fans of the Disney Channel. That's right. Everybody knows Shake It Up, and you know all the different stars of Shake It Up. Well, now on ABC's Dancing with the Stars, you can actually see Shake It Up's Zendaya right there performing with her partner, Val, on Dancing with the Stars. Now, this isn't, like, huge news, but hey, you know, maybe you didn't know you're a Disney Channel star or you wanted to find a way to watch something with your kids that they'll enjoy, too. Well, now you can see Zendaya right there dancing it up on Dancing with the Stars on ABC, which, of course, is a Disney-affiliated company, so, of course, there is a reason why those are connected up together. But, you know, she's holding strong. They're already into two weeks of this, and she is holding her own, which, you know, after all that dancing on Shake It Up, I hope she can hold her own. So now you can check it out, and you can always find Shake It Up all over the Disney Channel, getting replayed over and over again in their newest CD that has been released, and many other items. You know, for those of you that have, uh, you know, tweens and teens, you're very well aware with her name and the show. Now, keeping it on the small screen, but a little bit different of a smaller screen, let's talk about how about multimedia and uh, how about a viral hit once again? Now, everybody knows the viral hit with Disney and Paperman has just been fantastic. I mean, everything from Oscars, awards, and more. Well, how about Disney is now releasing all new Mickey Mouse cartoons? Now, these Mickey Mouse cartoons are going to be coming to the Disney Channel, and there's an all new viral hit right now with Mickey Mouse's, and I hope I'm not butchering this, sorry, I'm not French, but it is fitting considering we are covering the Hunchback of Notre Dame here this week. Mickey Mouse's Croissant de triumph hope i said that correctly but anyways will it give disney another viral hit now after scoring an oscar and a viral hit with paperman as i just noted they have the all-new film that is starring 
Mickey Mouse. Now, it's a play on Paris's famed monument, the Arc de Triomphe, and it follows hero Mickey as he speeds through the City of Light, battling heavy traffic and other obstacles to deliver croissants to Minnie's Cafe. Now, while the film is spoken entirely in French, any viewer can enjoy its simple storyline. Now, Croissant is the first in a series of 19 cartoon shorts that Disney is going to be releasing on the Disney Channel and Disney.com, as well as where you can watch them all over the Disney Channel, and these are going to be starting on June 28th. Now, Paul Rudish, an animator who worked on Dexter's Laboratory and the Powerpuff Girls, is an executive producer and director for this new Walt Disney Television animated project. Now, you're wondering, that style definitely doesn't fit Disney. Well, if you see what they're doing with Mickey, they're pulling him forward. They're moving him forward for the newest times, the newest animated features, and you know what? Any form of Disney uh, cartoon short with Mickey Mouse, I am all for, because Mickey does not need to get lost. The cartoon shorts are what made the Disney brand, and the cartoon shorts are, are just fantastic. I mean, seriously, I, I am excited to see Mickey Mouse again and, you know, reintroduce him to my children as well. Now, future cartoons are going to feature Mickey and other Disney icons, as well as Pluto, Donald, and more, and they're going to be in settings all around the world, including New York, Beijing, Tokyo, and Venice, and the plot lines are always going to center around a silly situation which many of us are well aware of with any of the Disney cartoon shorts. Now there's going to be a lot of great visual and vocal gags and now you can check this one out online right now. Check it out. Google it. It is definitely fun and hey Mickey Mouse is back. Now, since we're talking about Disney and fun and children and, you know, Mickey Mouse being back, how about Easter being around the corner? Now, it may be the first day of spring coming up here very shortly, which where we live in the country, it's probably about the middle of winter. But anyways, how about the 2013 top five Easter basket must-haves from Hallmark. Now, everybody knows that Hallmark and Disney always collaborate together, and, you know, many of you may or may not be aware, well aware of the storyline, how Walt Disney actually knew, you know, founder of the Hallmark Company and many other things when they were boys and many other things. I mean, there's a lot of great history behind that, but there are all new Easter basket must-haves that everybody is adding for their children from the interactive story buddies and the be part of the stories, the squawkin' egg dropping hen, and how about our favorite, the itty bitty plushes. Now the itty bitty plushes are eight Disney characters with Mickey, Minnie, Ariel, Cinderella, Tigger, and Winnie the Pooh, Thumper, and Bambi with a contemporary style makeover, and they are given great sizes in grab and play. These are tiny, they're small, they're fun, and they come in sets of two. Like I said, you get Mickey and Minnie, or uh, Pooh and Tigger, or Ariel and Cinderella. I mean, a lot of great ones right there, and they're fun. I mean, they're tiny, they're great, people can grab them, you know, kids can have fun with them, and they are a must-have. Right now, they're flying off the shelves for people to toss in an Easter basket. They're small enough, they're fun, you can add it, and come on. You know, the Easter Bunny could bring these to your child. If not, why don't you just have it ready for them on Easter morning from Mom and Dad? I mean, it's great. Now, these are the new Itty Bitty Plushes. You can find them all over online or at your local Hallmark and Gold Crown store. But these are must-haves that Disney is selling off the shelves in time for Easter 2013. So if you have a little princess or somebody that's a Mickey Mouse lover in your family, you better get on it now because we all know once things sell out, they get really hard to find. Now, recently here at Disney On Demand, we had the pleasure of attending our annual outing to the Disney On Ice franchise. Yes, everybody knows Feld Entertainment and his great shows where he does Disney On Ice, as well as the Disney Live series as well. Well, now Feld Entertainment and Marvel Entertainment are partnering to bring you Marvel Universe Live. 
Now, this is a new development. As everybody knows, the Walt Disney Company owns Marvel, and Feld Entertainment and Marvel Entertainment announced that they're going to have a groundbreaking agreement, which is going to allow the companies to produce an unprecedented new show that brings Marvel characters and stories to life in a live-action arena with spectators enjoying it once again. Now, the biggest superhero icons in the world, including Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Avengers, and the X-Men, are going to unite together in one place to defend Earth against the threats of the most fearsome villains in the Marvel Universe. Now, this is a multi-year agreement with family-owned, operated Feld Entertainment, who's going to produce the Marvel Universe live throughout the United States and internationally, launching in July 2014. With a new production of Marvel character-based stories, they're going to be coupled every couple of years with state-of-the-art effects, pyrotechnics, and aerial displays, including martial arts, and countless other show elements that are going to bring every little boy and girl immersed into the Marvel Universe. As they have quoted, we are excited to collaborate with Feld Entertainment to bring millions of our Marvel fans around the world a new and authentic way to engage with their favorite characters and villains. Now, this is going to be great. I mean, it's going to be fun. Everybody loves Feld Entertainment. Like I said, Disney Live, Disney on Ice, a variety of different things they do. And now you're going to be able to have Marvel Universe Live July 2014. Now, before I let you go, because I have been talking for quite some time, how about jumping on one more thing in a DVD release? Now, we all know recently you had the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hunchback 2, Pocahontas, Mulan, many other items that did get released on Blu-ray. But how about the 25th anniversary of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's right, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray of Who Framed Roger Rabbit has officially hit the stores. Now, in honor of the 25th anniversary Blu-ray, there's a lot of great things that are on here, including a variety of bonus features with the Roger Rabbit shorts, digitally remastered, Tummy Trouble, Roller Coaster Rabbit, and the Trail Mix-Up. They also have Who Made Roger Rabbit with a documentary that's hosted by Charles Fleischer, the voice of Roger Rabbit, who, as you all know, a couple of weeks ago was a guest here at Disney On Demand. If you want to enjoy, you know, us chit-chatting up with Charles Fleischer. You can find that in our archives right there at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. Charles was a fantastic guest. There's a variety of different things on here, including Behind the Ears, Toon Stand-Ins Featurette, Toontown Confidential, Deleted Scenes, and many more. So definitely check it out. Pick it up. This is a timeless feature for the Disney Company. I loved it. It was fantastic and picked it up in the Blu-ray transfer looks phenomenal. It is about time that Roger got the treatment that he well deserved. So all of you D-heads, as I'm wrapping it up here right now, you know, I've been rambling on for quite some time. We have all kinds of fun. We have the one and only Clopin himself from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Paul Candell, stopping in very shortly here at the show. So before I let you go, I do want to let you know that DizRadio.com is proudly sponsored by Pixie Vacations. And the agents at Pixie Vacations specialize in all Disney destinations. Whether you want to go to the Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland, or set on a Disney cruise. You can take part in Adventures by Disney. Pixie Vacations is an authorized Disney vacation planner with knowledgeable and experienced agents who can help you plan your best Disney vacation ever. And you can contact them directly at pixievacations.com or call them at 678-815-1584. You can also find their banner and link found right on our homepage at disradio.com. So all VD heads, we have all kinds of fun, more magic memories and music and just all kinds of fun here at Disney On Demand. But before I let you go, I also want to mention that we have an all-new commercial here at Disney On Demand that we're going to be playing all over the web, many other places. It's our new 60-second promo to let your friends, family, and everybody else know what Disney On Demand actually is. So, you know, we're going to play it here on the show. Yeah, we don't really need a commercial here at the show for you, but... 
we're gonna play it here at the show for you and let us know what you think about it, if you enjoy it or whatnot, just, just let us know. Do you really enjoy Disney On Demand's new promo? It's fun, I think it really captures the essence of what we're trying to do with our new kind of Disney show here at Disney On Demand. So all of you D-heads, as we get that much closer to Paul Candell stopping in here at the show, I'm gonna stop my rambling, sit back, and uh, I'll be back shortly. Be right back, all of you D-heads. don't do well inside stone walls. But y- y- you're not like other gypsies. They are evil. Who told you that? My master, Frollo. He raised me. How can such a cruel man have raised someone like you? Cruel? Oh, no. He saved my life. He took me in when no one else would. I am a monster, you know. He told you that? Look at me. Give me your hand. What? Just let me see it. Hmm. A long lifeline. Oh, and this one means you're shy. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, that's funny. What? I don't see any. Any what? Monster lines. Not a single one. Now you look at me. Do you think I'm evil? No. No, no, you you were kind and good and, and... And a gypsy. And maybe Frollo's wrong about the both of us. What did she say? Frollo's nose is long and he wears a truss. Ha! Told you! Pay up! Oh, dear. Chump. Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. If you love all things Disney, then you're a D-head. And if you're a D-head, this is the show for you. Each and every week, Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand, your free, dedicated Disney podcast hosted by Jonathan Johnson. Every week, Disney Blue relives all the Disney magic, movies, and memories. Every week, you'll hear our celebrity guests who make the magic, your favorite Disney actors, writers, directors, and characters, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest films, television shows, and theme parks. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blues Disney On Demand is on the air, and it's free. Just go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. See you real soon. 
Paris. The city of lovers is glowing this evening. <sighs> True, that's because it's on fire. But still, there's l'amour. Somewhere out there in the night, her heart is also alight. And I know the guy she just might be burning for. A guy like you. She's never known, kid. A guy like you, a girl does not meet every day. You've got a look. That's all your own, kid. Could there be two like you? No way. Those other guys that she could dangle all look the same from every boring point of view. You're a surprise from every angle. Montia above, she's gotta love a guy like you. A guy like you. Gets extra credit because it's true. You've got a certain something more. You see that face? You don't forget it. Want something new? That's you for sure. We all have games and some Adonis, but then we crave a meal more nourishing to chew. And since you're shaped. I got croissants. No question of she's gotta love a guy like you. Call me a hopeless romantic, but Darcy, I feel it. She wants you so. Any moment she'll walk through that door. Hello? Yes, this is Jason Alexander. Uh-huh. Yes, I said that the gargoyles were going to be Disney's greatest characters. Who has a problem with that? Who wants to talk to me? Who's coming right over? A mouse, a duck, and a dog. That case. Animation facts. Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame utilized the talents of 620 artists, production, and technical staff, who in turn devoured over 72,000 pencils, one million sheets of animation paper, and spent 1.2 million work hours to create Disney's 34th animated feature. Also during that time, they consumed over 2,000 bags of potato and tortilla chips, not to mention pretzels. Once upon a time in Anaheim, in Anaheim, California, there grew a grove of orange trees covering a lot of ground. Once upon a time in Anaheim, in Anaheim, California. 
A man beheld those orange groves, wondering if he had found the answer to his special dream, his very special vision. Walked around, looked around, came to this decision. The man's name was Walt Disney. And as he stood in that orange grove 25 years ago, he saw in his mind's eye a magic kingdom the likes of which never, never existed anywhere on earth before. And he said, I will build my dream in Anaheim, in Anaheim, California. And everything I build will be the grandest sort of fantasy. Imagination is the key to Disneyland. I'll start with a spot that is dear to my heart, Main Street, USA. That is where I'll start. A little taste of what it was in dear old bygone days when life was slow and simple in oh so many ways. And that will be the center of all that I have planned. From here on Flights of Fancy, we'll discover Disneyland. There I'll build a castle tall where Sleeping Beauty slept and a place where fairy tales come true and childhood dreams are kept. And carousels and circus trains and elephants in flight. And someday soon the Matterhorn will rise upon this site. And there I'll build Adventureland, a jungle habitat, with rare exotic beasts and birds and trees and stuff like that. And a little boat will take the people out and bring them safely back. And I'll also build a tiki house where they can have a little snack. This space is saved for frontier land, America in the past, river boats and wagon trains and memories that last. And Tom Sawyer's Island will be there, and bears will dance and sing, and we'll have a fine saloon where cowboys have their fling. There I'll build the future, build a world we've yet to know, with rocket ships and monorails and a circular picture show. I'll leave some room for a space-age ride and a submarine voyage, too. And it will be Tomorrowland by the time that I am through. And I will build it all in Anaheim, in Anaheim, California. And if I build my dream with care, folks will come from everywhere. All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again, and I hope you're enjoying this week's show for show number 34. Here at Disney On Demand, we have all kinds of fun and many other things, and, you know, we're, there's a lot of fun little gems here in this week's show, including Once Upon a Time in Anaheim, which... 
I love Danny Kay. Great Danny Kay fan. So hopefully you found that one throughout the show here this week. And many other little gems and the music and the fun that really bring Disney to life. So I'm not going to ramble too much more. We have Paul Kandel coming in the wings. We have our DT member from Down Under, Lexi. We have Jason. We have Randy. We have so many people that's going to be stopping in here at the show yet. I'm just going to jump right back into the news here this week, hot off the G-Wire. And let's talk about Disney's Infinity. Video game is being delayed until August. Yes, now they said you can hold your horses because Jack Sparrow, Mr. Incredible, and the release of the much-hyped Disney Infinity video game has been pushed back two months until August. Now, the ambitious project was slated to launch in June for Nintendo Wii, Wii U, 3DS, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, PC, and mobile but the company now has delayed Infinity's release until August 18th. As they put it, to capitalize on the critical fall retail season, that is why we're doing the strategic holdback on the plans. It's not necessarily that they don't have it uh, released, they're just really trying to get it out in time for the push. Now, developed by Avalanche Software, in Infinity was unveiled this last January to much fanfare, and it features Disney characters from Monsters Inc., Pirates of the Caribbean, The Incredibles, and Cars, as well as many others. In the Infinity, the action figures themselves will store the player's game processes and settings, and each figure is going to contain a complete story. Now, I'm not going to give you too much more about this, because I'm sure Randy's going to be talking about it in the multimedia here this week so but hey disney infinity is now being pushed back almost two months now moving to the small screen in disney and all of you d heads out there who are once again disney channel lovers you were all ready for selena gomez and spring breakers all right no you weren't but well many of us were i mean it's going to be a great film i'm slated to see it here this weekend but you were all ready for selena gomez to return to wizards of waverly place once again well wizards of waverly place returned and drew in over 5.9 million viewers for the Disney Channel. It was a good weekend for Selena Gomez and it got even better when the Nielsen ratings revealed that nearly 6 million people watched the Disney Channel return of Wizards of Waverly Place, Alex vs. Alex. Now Friday night's premiere of the hour-long epic The Wizards Return, Alex vs. Alex, brought in 5.9 viewers, including 2.9 million that were kids ages 2 to 11, 2.3 million 6 to 11, and 2.2 million that were teens 9 to 14. Now, the supernatural teen comedy Wizards of Waverly Place made its debut back in 2007 and made a star out of Selena Gomez. Now, Friday's one-hour special event marked the show's first original product in over a year. And while that many viewers is nothing to sneeze at, a Wizards movie airing while the show peaked in 2009 drew in so many more viewers, 13.5 million. Now, following Friday's premiere of the Wizards rerun on Disney Channel, there's a variety of different new things as well, including the all-new Gravity Falls hit series, which reached an all-time high of 4.9 million viewers. So, it was a good weekend for Selena Gomez and for all of you Disney Channel lovers out there. And what did you think of the Alex vs. Alex movie? I did think it seemed a little awkward, a little odd. They did seem out of sorts that they haven't filmed in over a year, but uh, hey, you know, it was a good knockoff for Disney. Now pushing right along with some Disney news, how about the creative and business leads that were behind Disney's Club Penguin are now forming a new digital game studio. That's right, two of the leading creative and business minds behind Disney's Club Penguin, the number one virtual world for children, have formed Hyper Hippo Productions, a new studio that promises to offer fun and imaginative children's properties for a wide range of digital platforms. Now Lance, co-founder and creator of Club Penguin, and his partner, Pascal, formed the studio head vice president of global operations for Disney Online Studios, developed and created Hyper Hippo Productions. Boy, say that 10 times fast. That'll be pretty hard. As they have quoted, we are dedicated to creating a fantastic studio that will not only radically change how the industry perceives digital entertainment, 
but one that is positively impacting children's lives to come. In addition, it is important for us to invest in our local community through initiatives and increase the technology footprints that is going to help the global community throughout the internet and throughout the world. I, for one, think this is a great step. Everybody loves Disney's Club Penguin. I think it's fantastic for children. I mean, it is one of the safest places for your children to go online and have some fun. And now you can check them out at hyperhippo.ca or you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash hyperhippo. Now, continuing on on the business side of Disney news, also Universal Music Group, UMG, and Disney Music Group, DMG, have expanded their agreements globally. That's right. The world's leading in music companies, Disney and Universal, have expanded their ongoing relationship through a new long-term global commercial agreement that was announced this last week by UMG Chairman and CEO and Disney Music Group Executive Vice President. Now, covering both physical and digital rights nearly worldwide, the agreement will enable UMG and DMG's unique, extremely popular music to include a variety of different companies' labels that Frontline releases as a staple of multi-platinum pop, rock, and country albums. Now, the Disney roster continued to expand with such chart-topping and critically acclaimed artists as Demi Lovato, Plain White Tees, Selena Gomez, ZZ Ward, Queen, Bridget Mendler, Grace Potter, and more. And now this is including their ongoing relationship with all their soundtracks, including Aladdin, The Jungle Book, Cinderella, Winnie the Pooh, Little Mermaid, and more. This covers the entire catalog that we all know and love from Disney. Now, for the first time, this new agreement provides a close creative collaboration between the two companies as the labels and artists now have access to each other's roster of multi-platinum and Grammy award-winning producers, songwriters on a worldwide basis. As they've put it, we are delighted to take our successful, long-standing relationship with Disney to the next level. Providing access to our creative resources on a global scale, this new agreement is going to take our relationship with Disney beyond simply the commercial and foster collaboration that is going to bring new fantastic music. Now I'm going to keep this relatively short, all of you D-heads, because we have Paul Candell waiting in the wings. We have three D-team members who are just sitting there waiting. So I'm going to give you one more bit of news, and I'm sorry if I'm ending it on a downer. I'll try to change that around and end it on something a little bit better. But there was an Australian who has been killed recently outside the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. That's right, Mahmood, who is 22, was dressed in his Walt Disney World Resort clothing uniform at the Orlando Resort early Monday morning when a car struck him. Now, the victim was crossing with two other people, and unfortunately, they were crossing against the light. Now, the Florida Highway Patrol has told them that this car went through the green light but failed to stop after the accident. He died yesterday not long after his mother arrived from Australia to see him by his side. At least he was able to see his mother. You know, the Disney College Exchange Program attracts many young students around the world, allowing them to get on-the-job experience at entertainment, theme parks, and more in the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. This is just a tragic happening. Our thoughts, our prayers go out with his family. And you know what? At least his mother was able to be there by his side as he passed on. So our hearts are sad on this. You know, it's always sad when something like this happens. And at least he was able to say goodbye with his mother right there. So all of you D-heads, I don't want to end on a downer note, so let's how about ending on something higher up, and how about we're looking for all new D-team members. If you want to become part of the D-team, we're looking for you, that's right. We already have new D-team members in the wings with Aaron and many others who are going to be bringing all new segments to us that we've been talking about here on the show, but we're looking for a variety of you to come on board, bring new segments to the show, bring some new fun, and many other energy. Now, you don't have to be a broadcasting professional, you don't have to really know much about it. 
just the learning process and a love of Disney, a love of what we do here at Disney On Demand. So if you are interested, definitely contact us. That's dizradio at gmail.com, or you can email us directly through our official website, at DizRadio.com. So all of you D-heads, trying to end on a positive note there, not such a downer, but waiting in the wings, it's topsy-turvy, it's the Feast of Fools, we have all kinds of fun because we have Paul Candell stopping in very shortly here at the show. Yes, Clopin from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the narrator, the Gypsy King, the one that just makes everything topsy-turvy is going to be stopping in here very shortly. So get ready. He's waiting in the wings. We have our DT member from Down Under Lexi. We have Jason. We have Randy. We have so many others that are here on the show. We are getting ready. So all of you D-heads, sit back, enjoy, get ready, and we'll have Paul Candell here very shortly. Ah, we have to find the Court of Miracles before daybreak. If Frollo gets there first, are you coming with me? I can't. I thought you were Esmeralda's friend. Frollo's my master. I can't disobey him again. She stood up for you. You've got a funny way of showing gratitude. Well, I'm not going to sit by and watch Frollo massacre innocent people. You do what you think is right. What? What am I supposed to do? Go out there and rescue the girl from the, from the jaws of death and the whole town will cheer like I'm some kind of a hero? She already has her knight in shining armor and it's not me. <sighs> Frollo was right. Frollo was right about everything. I'm tired of trying to be something that I'm not. Fame. I have 
Hey, this is Jen Cody, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hey, D-Heads. When you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z radio.com. And have a magical day. have a very talented singer, voice artist, and performer as our special guest, Paul Candle. It's very fitting indeed that the voice of Clove Pan, the gypsy leader from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, is here, as the film is about to be released on Blu-ray soon. The planets really have aligned for us D-heads this week. So, we all adore the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It is one of the Disney movies that has so many powerful scenes and hard-hitting human emotions. We can all relate with the struggles of the beautiful Esmeralda, and we can all sympathise with the Hunchback himself. It is Clopin, Paul Kendall's character, that ties the story together. His music acts almost like a commentary and definitely sets the scene. The song The Bells of Notre Dame is a beautiful piece of Disney music, made all the more impressive and emotive by Paul's pure and expressive voice. Clopin opens the movie and introduces us to the Hunchback story, asking who is the monster and who is the man. The song definitely gives us a lot to think about and showcases the beauty of the movie. Paul is so animated, his ability to capture the whole Hunchback tragedy is, in my opinion, quite formidable. Then. 
Clopin completely changes the atmosphere with the song Topsy Turvy at the Feast of Fools. This is such a fun song, but at the same time, it's very confronting for the hunchback. Clopin's presence in the film makes sure that there is something for everyone to love. He is so lively and outrageous, just like the Feast of Topsy Turvy Day itself. Paul's voice is incredibly versatile. I absolutely love having voice artists on the show because I know that it was their work that topped off and finalised the Disney character that I am of course passionate about. It is almost as though the voice really brings the character to life, making us forget that there is a whole team behind each character, even Clopin. I wonder what Paul's first reactions were when he found out that he would be playing the role of a brightly dressed gypsy leader. He must have been excited to get such a rare opportunity to portray a character that works as the thread of the whole story. Must have been amazing. So, it was in 1996 that Paul featured in Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, with voice work and singing credits. The movie definitely wouldn't have been the same without him. I know that everyone, young or old, has an appreciation for the strength of Paul's voice in bringing Clopin to life. Outside of Disney, our special guest, Paul Candle, is a musical theatre actor and a tenor singer. Being from Queens, New York, it is no surprise that Paul has a passion for Broadway. He has appeared on Broadway a number of times, including the part of King Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar. And he also had featuring roles in the Titanic and the Who's Tommy musicals, as well as the Visit musical. Being behind a microphone at the Walt Disney Studios must have been such a fresh experience for Paul, as his stage work requires a different relationship with the character. In saying that, Paul's facial expressions and even his body movements, when recording his voice for Clopin, were even used to make the character more lifelike and relatable. This technique, or style of animation, that Disney championed way back in the early days is one of the many elements of Disney animation that makes it so magical. Paul has also worked on a few TV movies and TV shows, including a 1990s episode of Law & Order, and the TV movies Fool's Fire and Sally Hemings, An American Scandal. The versatility across these three performance styles is fantastic. As a member of the Disney family, it is no wonder why Paul Candle received a nomination for the 1993 Tony Award for Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical. He is just so brilliant. More recently, Paul was nominated for a DVD Premiere Award for Best Original Song. The song was Le Jour d'Amour in Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2 which, as I'm sure all you D-heads already know, was a straight-to-DVD production. So, thank you, Paul Candle. Without your sensational voice talents and ability to bring Clopin to life, The Hunchback of Notre Dame would not have been as magical, and Disney certainly would not be the same. Maybe you've heard of a terrible place where the scoundrels of Paris collected in there. Maybe you've heard of that mythical place called the Court of Miracles. Hello, you're there. Later. And the blind can't see. But the dead don't talk. So you won't be around to reveal what you found. We have a method for spies and intruders to rather like hornets protecting their hide. Here in 
the court of miracles where it's a miracle if you get out alive. I am the lawyers and judge all in one. We like to get the trial over with quickly because it's the sentence that's really the fun. Any last words? <laughs> that's what they all say. Now that we've seen all the evidence, wait, I object. Amaral, I object. Quiet. We find you totally innocent, which is the worst crime of all. Say it, go to bed. One great thing about animation is there's no boundaries. You can take the animation camera anywhere your imagination wants to go. Most of the special effects shots in feature animation serve the same purpose as a music underscore. The audience may not be aware of them, but they are essential for creating a sense of reality. You may not give any thought to shadows in a live action film, but there's a big difference between live action and animation. In animation, somebody has to draw the shadows or plan a computer-rendered background moving in the right perspective one frame at a time. A Disney animated film is not a Disney animated film without the effects. It's been told before that a effect shot is anything where the character doesn't appear. However, an effect shot, particularly in Hunchback, is much, much more than that. It adds atmosphere and life and believability. The big rose window effect shot where um, Esmeralda sort of tentatively walks into the, the pool of light created by the rose window. And, and we're doing the dust particles to suggest the silence of the place. Disney's Academy Award-winning technology has helped animators create spectacular shots that would have been impossible to achieve a few years ago. Coming this summer from Walt Disney Pictures. Up there, high, high in the dark bell tower, lives the mysterious bell ringer. Good morning. If I picked a day to fly, oh, this would be it. I'll be spitting feathers for a week. Well, that's what you get for sleeping with your mouth open. He lived a solitary life behind stone walls. Remember Quasimodo? Yes, Master. This is your sanctuary. Here it is, the moment you've been waiting for. Outside was a world he had only dreamed of. Look at that disgusting display. Yes, sir. Until he met Esmeralda. Well, you're not hurt, are you? No, no. By the way, great mask. The woman who would open his eyes to adventures he never imagined. Oh, it's got a friend with it. Leave this place. You don't know what it's like out there. Nobody wants to stay cooped up here forever. Come with me. You're right. Oh, go. Way to go, lover boy. A guy so swell. A guy like you. This summer, share the feeling. Wine, women, and sun. Join the fun. For the wine and cut the cheese. Sit. Whoa! Back here, gypsy! And live the adventure. What a woman. Arrest her. No! How dare you defy me? Hang on! I think that cavalry's here. Walt Disney Pictures presents an all-new animated motion picture event. The story of one extraordinary human being. She's very lucky to have a friend like you. Discovering the magic 
within himself. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Coming to theaters June 21st. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, we're back once again for another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And recently, The Hunchback of Notre Dame has been released on Blu-ray and DVD, Hunchback 1 and Hunchback of the Notre Dame Part 2. Fantastic Disney film, one that's a little bit deeper, harder story, something that was full of heart and fun and great music. And you have asked for it, and with us here this week, we have none other than Paul Kandel. Yes, you may know him as the jester, the uh, ringleader of all the gypsies, and better known as Klopa. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, hey, to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, it, uh, we've asked our listeners over and over again, and Hunchback of Notre Dame always gets brought up just because everybody loves it. It was a different direction for Disney. And your character, of course, being the narrator of the film and whatnot, it plays a big role into making all that connect and happen. But before we roll into Hunchback, I guess, you know, you started off, you know, you're working in Broadway and you've been part of such great, great Broadway shows like Jesus Christ Superstar, Titanic, uh, The Who's Tommy, many others. I guess, uh, what got you started in Broadway and heading down that career path? Well, uh, I, I spent years working in regional theater, as many actors do in New York, waiting for your Broadway break. And Tommy was that for me. And it took a long time to get to, quite a few years. I was 40 when I did that show. And it was incredibly exciting to be in a show that was not only a fantastic show and incredible fun to perform, but that audiences loved, was a huge hit, and got me a Tony nomination. And all those things in combination, I think, helped me get my audition for Disney. Well, you know, and working on such a, you know, a show like Tommy, I mean, it's uh, world-renowned. Everybody loves it. And like you said, you know, getting that Tony Award in 1993, just, you know, that had to be fulfilling right there because you're part of this great Broadway production. And then, you know, you're getting the accolades for it as well. Uh, yes, that was very sweet. Actually, it was a Tony nomination, not an award somebody else won. But just to be nominated put me in a very small company of uh, respected colleagues so it was an extraordinary thrill to be in that show, my first Broadway show, to get a Tony nomination. It was uh, it was breathtaking, at a time that I'll never forget. And at that time, Disney was looking uh, at actors in Broadway shows to uh, to work on their uh, films, and I was lucky enough, I think, because of the visibility of that job just to get the audition, because this was a star-studded cast, and I am not a star, and I wasn't at that time, certainly, and I'm not now. I'm a blue-collar actor who does what he does because he loves it, and I make a decent living, but I'm not a star, and so it was, there was nothing more exciting than getting an audition, even, for a Disney feature animation uh, piece. So the audition was thrilling and terrifying at the same time because <laughs> I very much wanted to get the job and did. The, the the thing is, is, you know, you said, you know, you're not a star. You know, you, you work because you love, you love the what you do. But you know what? To all the Disney fans out there, you, you know, you are a star because, uh, you know, they asked to get you on the show as well. You know, your gypsy leader is definitely one of the... Uh, 
uh, favorite characters? I love all of those people. (laughs) (laughs) I love them for thinking that and feeling that way. And I put every ounce of heart I could into every note uh, and every word. It was a thrilling experience, and it stretched over a considerable period of time. It took. It was three years from the day I auditioned for that job to the release of that film. A oh. long time, and actually the character originally only had one song. Really? Uh, topsy-turvy. And as time went on and the movie metamorphosed in how the story was to be told, uh, Alan and Stephen wrote more music for me, and there was, uh, because I think I was doing a decent job, and, and also because the, the, the manner of storytelling in the movie changed, and I recorded actually a lot of narration which they eventually removed. So that was fine with me because you get paid for each day that you record that, <laughs> uh, and I enjoyed uh, that. Uh, uh, but the, the nature of, uh, the, the nature of the movie changed in the course of all those three years. Many things were rewritten, songs were recorded and dropped. Uh, it's just a, a tremendous amount of very, very passionate work on the part of everyone who's involved, uh, in, in, in making these, uh, uh, movies. It's amazing. Well, you know, and like you said, over the course of all those years, you know, it's gone through so many transformations. And like I said, you know, your character, you know, he kind of starts off the film. You have the narration. It kind of sets that tone and that feel. And with the musical numbers, um, you know, Topsy Turvy, of course, always remains to be a favorite. Um, But I myself am a big fan of The Court of Miracles. Now, when it comes to picking any of the songs that you've done, uh, which is your favorite? Uh, Well, you know, it's interesting that you should say that because... I would say The Court of Miracles is my second favorite, although I do love that piece, and it was a lot of fun to record. And that was one of the additional songs that uh, Stephen and Alan wrote in the course of time. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, and I think it works very well in the movie. Uh, my, If I listen to Hunchback, I listen to the last minute, last two minutes. That's my favorite part. It's the reprise of Bells of Notre Dame. Yes. That's, that's my favorite piece. It's beautiful. It, 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 uh, wraps up the movie in a gorgeous, intelligent, and passionate way. And I love singing it. So, <laughs> that, that little piece out of everything that I did in that movie is the one that, if I want to be reminded of how passionate I was about that work, about how much I enjoyed that work, uh, it's that. Well, I mean, and that that is a very powerful piece. I mean, you know, I guess with this film and being part of a Disney film and, you know, like like songs like uh, The Bells of Notre Dame and items like that, you know, it is a very serious Disney film. Is that something that you recognized right away when you were reading the script and, you know, seeing the transformation of this film that... It definitely was a very different direction uh, than most of Disney's films as of previous years. Yes, yes, I, I, I did know that, and it was uh, incredibly brave, not surprising to me that um, they would t- they would 
I, I, I hesitate to use this phrase, take the risk, but I'll use it, take the risk of uh, taking a, a, a treasured piece of literature and trying to uh, uh, make it accessible to a very wide audience. That, that's a tall order. Well, I mean, and it's it's very big. I mean, that's a very big order, you know, because it, it is so serious. And, and I will tell you that the amount of thought that went into how precisely to do this, from the manner of storytelling, to the nature of the music, to the artwork. I mean, I, ha- I had the great good luck to visit the L.A. and Orlando studios and watch the artists at work. And it's unbelievable. You know, at that time when these films were still hand-drawn, there were thousands of artists working on this. And each one that I met was more fascinating and passionate about what they did than the next. And the artwork, when you see it up close, is it's just breathtaking. And there was a tremendous amount of thought and intelligence uh, put into how do we thread the needle of telling this basically dark story in a way that is accessible and entertaining. So very tall order, very brave people, very, very talented people. You know, Alan Macon and Stephen Schwartz, that's a pretty, you know, those are two powerfully talented people. Definitely. You know, I mean, and, you know, with what they've done with that kind of story and, you know, making it so, you know, having to do it just right. I mean, you know, being part of this and and being part of this production, I mean, it really is uh, probably something that it truly seems that that really left a great place in your heart. It did. It, it, It absolutely did. I enjoyed every single minute. And when you record... Uh, a big song like Topsy Turvy. It's a 65 piece orchestra and you. <laughs> so that's a peak experience right there. <laughs> so, you know, there, it, it, it's partly terrifying because you really don't want it to go badly. Uh, and it's, it's thrilling like standing on the edge of the cliff and diving off. And the, the song is recorded first all the way through many, many times, and then one verse at a time with notes from Alan and Stephen and the uh, producer and the sound guy. So you you're, you do the whole song many times, then you do one verse, then you do a single line. So you're working very hard to get it just right. Well, and that... That intention to get things just right is the hallmark of what makes Disney work as good as it is. There is the passionate intention to get it, if you can, just right. They will put in an endless amount of time and work and thought and money into getting it just right. Well, that is definitely the kind of thing, no, like you said, it's their it's their staple. It's their hallmark that just makes it just perfect. And, you know, your portrayal, like you said, on Topsy Turvy, say, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where because they put that much heart behind it and they have, you know, that much quality control and they want it to be perfect. 
that, you know, here we are many, many years later and it still holds up. It's still a masterpiece. And, you know, children today and adults and everyone still pass down that film and that music and the soundtrack as, you know, it, it's part of Disney's legacy that isn't going to go away. And uh, I, I agree with you entirely there. And it happens because of the, the level of caring on the part of the people who do these things. I mean, the the producers, originally Roy Conley and then uh, later Don Hahn, were incredibly kind to me. Um, it's yeah, I, I can't say enough about how kind people were to me and demanding at the same time. <laughs> you know, they they wanted the best. And so you 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 kept working until you got the best you had to offer. And that's a thrill. You know, we will extend this session two hours. We're not there yet. That two hours costs a lot of money in an enormous soundstage with a huge orchestra. And, you know, we're not done yet. Are you okay to continue working? Absolutely. I'm not satisfied either. Let's keep going. And so the the passion that goes into the making of these things is across the board. I didn't run into anyone who felt anything less than each day we work, we work to do the best we can, the absolute best we can. And it doesn't matter what it costs, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. This is the way we do things. That attention to detail and that passion about doing your best uh, results in uh, durable uh, work. Well, you know, and that passion and, and whatnot also goes through to just the animators. And like you said, the hand-drawn animated days and, you know, that quality control. And also coming back to your character then with those animators and, you know, you had the pleasure of visiting with them. Um, I have to say that, you know, they really captured your character as well as he really transformed into, you know, what you look like. You know, they captured your mannerisms and how you look. And, you know, when they, pay up, uh, when they peel off that mask on him in the film, you're like, wow, there's Paul. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how that works, and it surprised me at the time. When you audition for them, they have a sort of preliminary sketch of the character, but very preliminary. So it showed a kind of lanky uh, person. That's about it. You know, they were clearly a sort of stringy, lanky person with uh, expressive, uh, with an expressive body, let's say. Then once uh, I got the job, I was flown out to L.A. Uh, to meet uh, the guy who was the head animator for this uh, character, uh, a gentleman named Mike Surrey, incredibly sweet and incredibly talented. And the way it works is that the head animator, the guy who designs the character, meets with the actor, and we spent an entire day of me going through text and singing and moving while he sketched. And then each time I recorded the song, he was sitting on the side, sketching away like a lunatic. The idea being that the character would physically evolve from his sense of how I move and how I work. 
So that's why you're seeing that, oh my God, it's Paul, because this guy was working like a demon to extract, let's say, the best that he could from what I had to offer as far as my physicality and my movement is concerned. So it doesn't look exactly like me, but it has the essence of me. Oh, most definitely. It has that uh, that flow, that feel, that, uh, you know, that caricature version of you, and it really does come across. And, you know, like I, like we've talked about with many of our Disney fans out there, and, you know, your character being the leader of the Gypsies, and this, uh, you know, fun, flamboyant character, um, you know, being part of this film, and seeing it evolve into the parks, and they had the stage show when it was at Hollywood Studios, and uh, many other things like that. I guess, how did it feel after the premiere of of it to uh, you know see this character that you have uh, now created and brought life to along with the animators and the writers and whatnot and seeing it and just having that feel of wow that's a uh, that's a piece of my legacy that is going to be around now trying to, it's hard to find the right adjective for that you know it's it's thrilling satisfying uh like sure I shed a tear uh moving uh exciting you know, I'm running out of adjectives. To, to, to be at the premiere was was an extraordinary experience. To think that people will be watching this movie for years to come and going, "Oh, look at that guy! Hey, that's pretty good." Uh, that will that feels great. But you know, greater than that was the experience of the work. Just like you love what you do, you you love doing these uh, interviews. I love doing what I do. And the work itself was so satisfying and so rich that it's it's that that lives in me more than anything else. The memory of my enjoyment of the people with whom I worked um, and the quality of the work itself. So that's, that's what stays with me more than anything else. Well, you know, and those are the kind of things that, you know, uh, being an actor like yourself and a voice actor and being on Broadway, you know, it is that kind of thing where it is that, that moment in time and those memories that are always going to be with you. And, you know, of course, you know, that moving along, you were involved with it much, uh, much more even after with The Hunchback of Notre Dame too. Uh, how did it feel, uh, you know, knowing that they were going to make a sequel to this? Was it something at first you were hesitant about or just fully embraced and was like, all right, let's tackle this and, and, and make it truly amazing as well? Because it did go on to, you know, get its own fan following as a sequel. And it was, uh, you know, you were even nominated for a DVD premiere award for Best Original Song in Hunchback of Notre Dame too. Uh you know, I didn't know that until recently, I have to tell you, because nobody sent me a letter to say that I was nominated for that award. It's interesting. <laughs> I never knew it until recently. It's nice of you to mention it. Uh, I was very happy to, to continue to work on it. And again, you know, you have uh, a, a different team, but just as passionate about, you know, uh, uh, telling their story as best they can. So, you know, I was thrilled to have that opportunity. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm proud of it. Uh, nice to get another nomination. I'm waiting to get an award for something. <laughs> getting a lot of nominations. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. It was great. Well, you know, I guess looking back at the entire, you know, the film, the process, and, you know, being at the premiere and being involved with the Disney Studios and hand-drawn animation and whatnot, uh, I guess uh, looking forward to today and things like that, I mean, when you look back 
is hand-drawn animation still, you know, this is always a debate with everybody. Um, do you feel that hand-drawn animation still has that something extra that just can't be captured with CGI? Because I truly feel that there is something about the artist's hand, you know, flowing on a piece of paper that is truly different than CGI. Yes, you're precisely right there. and It's a kind of yin-yang trade-off. Uh, you know, there are some things that you that literally physically can't do with uh, hand-drawn. That it's just not physically possible to do them. And CGI makes those things possible. So, you know, some paradigm that allows you to have some of both, maybe. <laughs> I mean, in, in moving to towards CGI, a lot of the artists, you know, there were studios all over the world. There was one in Paris, in Orlando, in L.A. Uh, they have many less artists working for them. And those particular skills are hard to come by. You know, there are some people that had been uh, with Disney for years and years. Um, you know, Mike Surrey, the guy who was the lead animator for my character. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. The end of a cold. Um Mike Surrey had been with them for quite some time and worked his way up from, uh, you know, uh, a beginner animator to a lead animator, which is sort of the top of the food chain as far as hand-drawn is concerned. They audition uh, to uh, lead animate a character in the same way that actors do. They'll take eight or ten lead animators, say, okay, here's the film, here's the character, give us preliminary sketches. And then one of them gets the gig. <laughs> I was going to say, it is just as cutthroat, and it's it's a process, and may the best talent win. Yeah, but I wouldn't use the word cutthroat, because they're all very supportive of each other. I mean, everyone wants to get the uh, the job that they want to get, but there's a, uh, there was a tremendous um, bonhomie, if I can use that word, you can edit that out, <laughs> you don't like it, uh, uh, uh collegial sense among the people who who uh, were uh, the artists. Okay. So, you know, cutthroat, I think, would be a little severe. Uh, competition, certainly. Uh, but healthy competition, let's say. Competition's not a bad thing. Well, when it comes, you know, to the film and Hunchback of Notre Dame, and, you know, since we are talking, uh, you know, about the film and your involvement, I guess when it comes to, uh, you know, I guess doing the dialogue for the film, and doing the songs, um, you know, doing both of them. Is there, you know, one thing that you just had the most fun doing? I know, you know, you, you like you said, you know, you get to be in the studio and the music, but also doing the dialogue. Well, the dialogue was a tremendous amount of fun. And again, you do that over the course of hours and hours, over and over and over and over and over and over with notes and input from an assortment of people. The writers, the directors, the producers, everyone has a little suggestion. So you do it one time, and then you get six suggestions from six different people. And then you do it again. And then you do it again and again and again, until everybody, including you, including me, is satisfied, yes, this is the best we're going to get. So you have a sort of group of people working together to get to the best. As far as the thing that was the most fun for me, uh, there I have to uh, fall on your side of the court and say, 
the most fun I had doing a recording with Court of Miracles. Now, I guess I, I was going to say, what made that what made that just that much more memorable? Like to style the song, the way the recording went, or you know what? I guess what made that little notch in your head of it's just a fun song. It it does exactly what it intended to do in the structure of the movie. Uh, Clopin gets to be uh, mischievous. Um, it, it's a terrific uh, 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 piece of music. So everything worked together in exactly the way you'd want it to. It functions in the movie the way you want it to. It's absolutely incredibly fun to sing. It's, it was a chance to show the sort of mischievous side of Popin. So, you know, all those things together made it a great recording session and uh, a lot of fun to do. And everyone who was there actually had a good time. I had a lot of friends who were backup singers on that uh, number. So when I showed up at the studio, there are eight or ten people that I know, you know, in the booth singing backup, and it was just fun. It's a, it's a great piece. So, uh, you know, you said that you like it. I, I like it, too, and as far as fun is concerned, that was the funnest thing to record. <laughs> yeah, it, it does break up from the seriousness of the movie and makes it a little more of what the gypsies truly are. Uh, you know, it kind of captures that essence of, uh, you know, that free-flowing, fun, mischievous side of the gypsies and this underworld that uh, you heard about throughout the entire film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess with uh, the film itself and Paris and all the fun things and, you know, Notre Dame and being everything, have you ever had a chance to visit the actual location to this date? I mean, I know many people have been there, many haven't. I know it's on my bucket list. Well, it's on mine, too. <laughs> I'd say that. And when all of your fans, you know, decide to uh, chip in for a ticket to Paris, then I'll go. I mean, I've traveled a lot of places in the world for work, uh, and France is not one of them. So I have not been to Notre Dame, and it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's on my bucket list, too. I think that would be a great photo opportunity for all the listeners out there to have you wear uh, the gypsy mask in front of uh, Notre Dame right there. Uh, ready to go as soon as the ticket comes in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we don't want to keep you too long, but I guess, you know, looking back at the film, it seems like you had a fun time doing it, great memories. And, you know, it, like I said, the film went on to do many different things in terms of pushing the limits for storytelling and artistic side. And then, of course, you know, there was also the uh, small stage show that they had at the Hollywood Studios. Um, you know, did you ever have a chance to check out any of the characters or the stage shows when they had them at the parks, uh, you know, over its course of its run? Okay, good question. No, I didn't see them. However, ironically, a friend of mine from undergraduate school it played my part in that stage show. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and, and we look entirely different. And when that show opened, I got a call from this guy who I hadn't spoken to since, uh, since I finished undergraduate school, which was in 1973. I get a call from this guy who I hadn't spoken to in 25 years to say, guess what? I'm playing you in this stage show. <laughs> so, I mean, it was incredibly ironic and very sweet. He got a good job out of it. He enjoyed doing it. and But I didn't have the opportunity to get down there and see it. Yeah, oh, it was a fantastic show. You know, we had a chance to see it many times. And, you know, I know you can find it on YouTube in a variety of places. But, you know, I'm always curious as to, you know, when, uh, you know, people are in there doing voice acting and the work for these films, you know, it's always rare that they get a chance to see 
how immersive it is at the parks. Um, you know, I know when the film got released, you know, we were down there as well. And, you know, we saw your character walking up and down throughout the Hollywood studios. And, you know, it's just, I'm always curious as if, uh, if the actors and the people who portray these characters ever get a chance to, you know, see this as well, because it truly does affect the listeners and the fans. And, you know, it's that on top of the film, on top of everything that has brought all these listeners to be such fans of yours and your character. Well, you know, I, I, I can only say that I didn't get a chance to see that show, but my old college colleague did get a, a, a chance to play it, and I'm sure he was uh, terrific. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad on all fronts. I'm glad that people enjoyed that show. I'm glad that he got that job. Uh, I can't say whether it would be easy for me to watch it or feel funny, honestly. You know, would it be odd to watch somebody else be you? Or, or would it be thrilling? I don't, I don't know one way or the other. Uh, in, in all the shows that I've been in on Broadway, when I, people when they take a vacation will pick a day uh, when they're back from their vacation to watch the show from the audience. And they'll be watching their understudy play that role, and they'll be seeing the show as a whole from the audience, which you never get to do when you're on stage. That is something I've never done. The idea of inhabiting the imaginary world uh, and uh, only seeing it from that point of view. Okay. So I, I have never seen from the audience, any of the shows that I've been in. <laughs> well, you know, I guess that keeps it true to you portraying that character. You don't want to taint that. And, it, you know, that portrayal just makes it truly, genuinely yours. In a way, yes. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm kind of protective of that uh, because it's all I have. It, it's all any performer has is their, their single self they can bring to their work. And that's the one thing that nobody can take away or change or modify. Uh, so as a performer, that's your one uh, secret. Now, I guess, uh, you know, with the film and like you said, you know, looking back and watching things, um, have you had the chance to actually go back and watch the film a variety of times at all? Or is that something as well where you feel the same way as your Broadway shows where you know, you're not really watching it, or, you know, how? I guess, where does that land? No, but, you know, I've watched it many, many times, and I always find new little things that I didn't see before. Something about the animation, something about the way one of my colleagues did their job. Um, you know, these were extraordinary people. Kevin Klein is a very talented man. And Tom Hulse, who I just ran into the other day, who's moved into producing. I was doing a reading of the new musical, and Tom was there looking to uh, produce it. To me, more. <laughs> These are very talented people. And so it, I can watch that film 30 times and see something new that I missed in the last 29 times I watched it that I admire. <laughs> Not so much about my work, but about other people's work. Well, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like you said, it's you always notice something different and something more fun. And I guess the one thing that will always be remembered as well, you know, and it even has an effect on my children. You know, they watch the film and your voice is the first thing that sets the tone. It sets the mood. 
And, you know, it kind of sets that stage. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, for every person that watches that, you know, at least one or two out of every five, uh, you know, your character is definitely one that uh, they all want to pretend to be or, uh, you know, have fun doing because it's just uh, it's definitely a memorable role. Well, that's a great thought. <laughs> that's a great thought that there are a whole bunch of kids who, uh, you know, want to give their try at Club Pen. <laughs> and interestingly, that that opening number uh, was written late on. It's it's hard to imagine the film without that kind of number now because you know it really just it sets the mood. It tells the story, and you know I just I couldn't imagine that film opening up any other way than the way it does now because it does such a great job of setting up this you know serious tone for a Disney movie. And yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And oddly, we were about a third of the way through the process of making it, uh, and the film had metamorphosed in various ways. And then I got a call uh, that Alan and Stephen had written a new opening number, and could I come into the studio to do a demo? And it was that opening number. And, you know, as I told you, usually you spend hours and hours doing things over and over and over and over. And I learned the music. I went into the studio. Now, this was just a demo. This was not to go directly into the movie. It was to decide whether they were going to use it. And I went into the studio, and I recorded it one time. And Stephen got on the intercom and said, you aced it. That's it. We're out of here. (laughs) That's the only time I ever heard that (laughs) in all the time we were working on that piece. And... It was so right to open the movie, and they were so confident of it, uh, which they should have been, that, you know, once it went through channels, it was decided, okay, this is absolutely the way we're going to do it, and then we went through the normal recording process. But it wasn't there from the beginning. It took a little while before that was written to fit into the form of the film as it was developing. Yeah, it is, it's a fantastic number, you know, and sets that tone. And like I said, you're the first voice that everybody hears. So, you know, you know, I want to thank you once again for spending some time with us and talking with us. And like I said, all the Disney listeners out there, you know, they love your character. They love the films. And, you know, it's, it's true that Disney continues to pass on these films over and over again. And now it's released again on Blu-ray. And, you know, it's something that people can pass down from generation to generation. And, you know, we truly want to thank you once again for stopping in and spending some time and, you know, talking with all of us about this film because it truly is a, a, an artistic piece of art that is truly a different direction for Disney. I almost put it up there with, you know, being right next to Sleeping Beauty in terms of being this radical development and change in the Disney animation process. Well, uh, uh, I I agree with everything that you've just said. I thank you for having me on. I thank all of your listeners who have a wonderful time looking at uh, Clopin and congratulate you on uh, conducting a really interesting uh, and fun interview. So thank you very much for having me, and I've enjoyed talking to you. Thanks once again. My pleasure. Morning in 
city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. The fisherman fishes, the bakerman bakes to the bells of Notre Dame. To the big bells as loud as the thunder, to the little bells soft as a psalm. And some say the soul of the city is the toll of the bells. The bells of Notre Dame. Listen, they're beautiful, no? So many colors of sound, so many changing moods. Because you know, they don't ring all by themselves. They don't? City boy, up there. High in the dark bell tower lives the mysterious bell ringer. Who is this creature? Who? What is he? What? How did he come to be there? How? Hush! And Clopin will tell you. It is a tale. A tale of a man and a monster. Dark was the night when our tale was begun on the docks near Notre Dame. Shut it up, will you? We'll be spotted. Hush, little one. Forth I came, the gypsies slid silently under the docks near Notre Dame. Four guilders for safe passage into Paris. But a trap had been laid for the gypsies, and they gazed up in fear and alarm at a figure whose clutches were iron as much as the bell. Judge Claude Bolo, the bells of Notre Dame. Judge Claude Frollo longed to purge the world of vice and sin. And he saw corruption everywhere except within. Bring these gypsy vermin to the palace of justice. You there, what are you hiding? Stolen goods, no doubt. Take them from her. She Holy demon, I'm sending it back to hell where it belongs. See there, the innocent blood you have spilt on the steps of Notre Dame. I am guiltless. She ran, I pursued. Now you would add this triumph not to your guilt on the steps of Notre Dame. My conscience is clear. You can lie to yourself and your minions. You can claim that you haven't a qualm, but you never can run from or hide what you've done from the eyes. And for one time in his life, a power and control. Frollo 
felt a twinge of fear for his immortal soul. What must I do? Care for the child and raise it as your own. What? I'm to be saddled with this misshapen. Very well. But let him live with you in your church. Live here? Where? Anywhere. Just so he's kept locked away where no one else can see. The bell tower, perhaps. And who knows, our Lord works in mysterious ways. Even this foul creature may yet prove one day to be of use to me. And Frollo gave the child a cruel name. A name that means half-full. Quasimodo. Now, here is a riddle to guess if you can sing the bells of Notre Dame. Who is the monster and who is the man? Sing the bells, 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 My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC-82. Bonjour, mes amis. Je m'appelle Jason, and welcome to The Vault. No, it's just me. Welcome back, gang. And I am very pleased to know right upstairs in the Disney On Demand studios is our dear friend and new D-head, Paul Kendall. Can you believe it? Yes, Clopin himself is upstairs. With Valentine's Day just behind us, the city of love could not be any brighter than by bringing out a specific classic only Paul could give us. That's right. We're going to go deep into the catacombs I mean the vault, and pull out one of my dear favorites, the more recent classic, Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. So you think you know the story of the elusive bell ringer? Think again. The 1996 Disney classic introduces us to 1482 Paris and Clopin, our puppet master, gypsy, and storyteller, as well as our latest D-head, Paul Kendall. Thanks to his talents of puppetry and song, we learn of the origins of our mysterious title character. As Clopin's story goes, a group of gypsies sneak into Paris. Not all plans go well, as Judge Claude Frollo, the Minister of Justice, and his guards ambush them. Looking for the best option for her and her child, one of the young gypsy women runs. She seeks sanctuary at Notre Dame, but before the archdeacon is able to allow her in, Frollo kills her. Just as Frollo is about to slay the unholy demon, or the child she was carrying, David Ogden Stiers, I mean the Archdeacon, stops him. Frollo, being a man who believes in what Notre Dame is and its holy nature, takes heed to the Archdeacon's word, which states that Frollo should now take care of the child who he has now made an orphan. Frollo agrees to raise the child within Notre Dame. He also gives him a name, a name that means half-formed, Quasimodo. 
Flash forward 20 years, where we meet our grown Quasi. A man who's seen nothing but stone, literally, considering his best friends are three stone gargoyles, Victor, Hugo, and Laverne. And the hollowed halls of Notre Dame are still his home. That doesn't mean he doesn't pine for the world out there. Frollo, being the protective father and all-around Disney baddie he is, reminds Quasi that he can never leave the bell tower because he is nothing more than a monster. However, listening to the advice of his stony companions, he leaves the tower on the only day his unique features would never scare those around him, the Feast of Fools. Fortune shines on our kind soul as he is honored with the highest honor of the festival. He is crowned the King of Fools. That honor is soon tarnished after Frollo's men incite a riot, changing the perception of Quasi's appearance within the crowd from unique to frightening by only a few words. Strapped to the town square, eh, really it's a circle, kind of more like a wheel with cogs, eh, Quasi looks to his father for help, who without word and only visual cues refuses. It is not until Esmeralda, voiced by the devilish Demi Moore, frees him. The gypsy magician not only captures the heart of Quasi, but also captures the eye of Frollo. He sends his guards to capture her. With a quick magic trick, she is gone. As quick as Esmeralda came and went, so too does Quasi's dreams of ever being a part of the real world as Frollo banishes him back to the bell tower. Feeling sorry for Quasimodo, Esmeralda enters Notre Dame to find him, only to be watched by Phoebus, the captain of Frollo's guard, and voiced by Kevin Kline. Feeling that Frollo's reasons for Esmeralda's capture is not legitimate, namely he feels she's an enchantress, rather than arrest her, Phoebus helps confine her to the cathedral. After some soul-searching and praying, Esmeralda finds Quasi, elated to finally having a living, breathing friend. What, the gargoyles aren't enough? And rebelling just a bit against his father, Quasi feels he should return the friendly gesture by helping her escape Frollo's grasp. Out of gratitude, Esmeralda gives Quasi a pendant. To most, it's a little bauble, but to the most trusting eye, it's the map to the Court of Miracles, home of the outcasts of Paris, led by Clopin. Meanwhile, back in the dark chambers of Frollo, we find the man of honesty and trust has those not-so-pure feelings for Esmeralda. He seeks the help of Maria, also known as the Virgin Mary. Finding this divine intervention and the fact he's learned of her escape, Frollo calls for an all-out hunt for his imaginary relationship. The burning passions of love ignite Paris and not in the good way. Frollo's search for Esmeralda causes many homes to be burnt to the ground for sheltering a gypsy. Phoebus, being the master of the guard, knows what Frollo is doing is wrong. He pieces everything together and defies his orders. Anger, Frollo orders Phoebus to be executed, but the cunning captain escapes, not without injury. Esmeralda, the lifesaver that she is, pulls Phoebus from the river and takes him to Notre Dame for sanctuary. Realizing his plan is not bearing the fruits he wishes, Frollo defames Quasi again. With his verbal abuse, Frollo lies and tells Quasi that he will be attacking all of his new friends at the Court of Miracles. Fearing that he's done wrong, Quasi, with Phoebus's help, and the pendant in hand, go to the Court of Miracles to warn the gypsies. Frollo, being the conniving villain that he is, follows our heroes and captures them all. With the downtrodden all in one place, Quasi changed the bell tower, and Esmeralda captured, Frollo believes he's won. The only prize he wishes most is the love of the gypsy girl. 
She refuses, which infuriates Frollo and instigates him to burn her at the stake. With love in his heart and the power of pure courage, Quasi breaks free and rescues her, keeping her in Notre Dame. Phoebus frees himself and takes hold of a new army, that of the gypsies and the citizens of Paris. They all gather their muster and fight against Frollo. In fear, Frollo attempts to rush the cathedral. Quasi and the gargoyles attempt to protect Notre Dame at all costs, but Frollo still manages to break in. Frollo, with all the venom he can muster from his heart, brings this verbal battle to the ledges of the cathedral, where they both fall. Quasi is caught by Phoebus, but Frollo falls to the fiery depths of his own hell. With the love given to him by his newfound family in Phoebus and Esmeralda, they encourage Quasi to leave the bell tower. Blinded by the rush of humanity, he is accepted into the one place he's always wanted to be, the real world. It's amazing what Disney can do by taking an almost 500-page book and condense it into a very beautiful masterpiece of our modern era. We're very fortunate to have our guest joining us this week because The Hunchback of Notre Dame has actually been released on Blu-ray this past week. What's nice about this is not only do you get the original 1996 film, which to me is one of the most gorgeous. It did push the boundaries of effects when it comes to the fire and the water. You could actually feel the warmth of the fire. I I still very much defend this film. I think it is a great film overall. It is the 34th animated film in the lexicon and deservingly gets this beautiful Blu-ray release. What would you get if you did purchase it? And I suggest you do so to add it to your collection. Well, first of all, of course, you get the original film, as well as the sequel, Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. But the wonderful things that you do get with it are just some minor things on the Blu-ray release. You do get the audio commentary, which is the producer, Don Hahn, and directors Kurt Weiss and Gary Trudeau. And they give a very exclusive and intensive interview about the production the characters the casting very well done a 28 minute making of of course the making of the hunchback jason alexander is your host and supplies his masterful voice within the film a multi-language reel where of course it's just three minutes however it is for the video a guy like you very fun very very fun and of course you've got in hd you get all the sneak peeks and trailers So, with that, it is a small amount that you would be receiving when it comes to extras, but what you do get is that full, rich, beautiful Blu-ray quality in a beautifully heartfelt story that I still believe gets overlooked when it comes to the lexicon of Disney movies. Well, the curtain's coming down and the popcorn's empty, so it only means one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. But fear not, my friends. We've just had a slew of releases on Blu-ray, which only means our, our archive is getting larger, and your library can get just as large. So take a moment, go out, rent, enjoy, some way, find a means to get a hold of Hunchback, and enjoy every last minute of it. You will not be disappointed. 
We will file this away in our own court of miracles, and I look forward to seeing you next time. So until then, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. It's the movie Siskel and Ebert gave two very spirited thumbs up. And now it's coming to video. Here it is! It's Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. All right, all right! Join Quasimodo and his hard-headed friends. You're the fat, stupid one with the big mouth. What are you saying exactly? As they throw away the rule and fight back to save the city. I'll be spitting feathers for a week. Now your family can own all the Disney fun. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Coming to video March 4th. Like the chicha chicharoni, like they make at home, or a healthy fish with the big backbone. I'm Abraham DeLacy. Giuseppe Casey. Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley the alley cat. I've got that wanderlust. Gotta walk the scene. Gotta kick up highway dust. Feel the grass that's green Gotta strut them city streets Showing off my clad Yeah Telling my friends of the social elite Or some cute cat I happen to meet That I'm Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley O'Malley the Alley Cat I'm king of the highway Prince of the boulevard Duke of the avant-garde The world is my backyard So if you're going my way that's the road you want to seek. Calcutta to Rome, or home sweet home in Paris. Monofiki, you all. I only got myself and this big old world. But I sip that cup of life with my fingers curled. I don't worry what road to take I don't have to think of that Whatever I take is the road I make It's the road of life Make no mistake for me Yeah, Abraham DeLacy Giuseppe Casey Thomas O'Malley O'Malley, the alley cat That's right, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Those of us who are making the films and the audience, and the audience wants us each time to push it someplace where it hasn't gone before. Disney has a tremendous commitment to telling great stories, which I think is the fundamental principle of animation. Telling it with great characters, and always pushing the sort of artistic boundaries of animation always one step further. One of the things that keeps us honest is Snow White, Pinocchio, Bambi, Fantasia. That history that is part of our tradition, that keeps our sights awfully, awfully high. Wow. Working on Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame was an unforgettable experience. 
I hope I've helped you learn a little bit about the process of animation and all the hard work it takes to produce an animated feature, especially one like this. Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. Heads. My name is Rain Rickard, and I'll be doing another multimedia segment here on DizRadio.com. Now, with today's multimedia, we're going to be digging into the Disney parks 
uh, that's locally here in Orlando, Florida. And with the big debut is over at the Magic Kingdom, the Big Thunder Mountain attraction. Now, the Disney Imagineers has been working around the clock over the past few months to bring a refurbished mountain, new trains, new track, and as well, new interactive elements that will be debuting within the queue line itself. Now, as you guys already know, guys and girls already know, that this type of interactive um, element has been already debuted over the Space Mountain attraction over in Tomorrowland. Now, those are our video games um, elements that people like to play and stuff, and has been a great hit. But this time around over Big Thunder Mountain has been more a physical type of element. And let me explain. One of the Disney Imagineers are incorporating this live, active uh, mining company that uh, the storyline goes, the backstory goes, where it's an active um, multi-million uh, dollar company. Um, Barmanus T. Bourne is the founder and president of the big Thunder Mining Company. And since a long time, he has been mining, um, been a mining magnet to come to the powerful East Coast family and considered gold to be his bright birthright in virtue. Um, currently to what the backstory has been saying by the Imagineers. Now, this thoroughly, this new element, you can be looking at these little power scopes where it goes actually down under to the mine shaft itself. You can see all the people looking for this mining stuff. A very humus, um, humorous um, elements, plays, videos that they have the Imagineers really worked on. Um, also, there's other sections of the queue where you can actually help out um, winding this little contraction to build up enough spe- uh, steam and um, dynamite to activate these uh, little mining shafts and you can actually press a little, I don't know, dynamite box, dynamite box lever and you can see the nice explosion um, dissimulate a mining thing. I think Disney Imagineers did a really great job with this. Um, it's actually a very new way coming from the video game um, element, um, where you play on, the, on these buttons and screens in front of you, which is nice. Uh, don't get me wrong, uh, I, I think it's a really cool way to die down the long wait. The, of course, these tr- attractions are very popular in demand, and because of the heat, people are getting a little agitated and irritated, and yeah. I mean, I mean this is a great way to lose track of time, speed up the, the ride process in the way of getting lost within the story, and as well adds more realism to the story that you're just Disney is known for bringing great storytelling. Now, let's go ahead and move over to our next topic. I want to talk about my, my Magic Plus, or um, Disney Plus Magic, that Disney has been really pushing over at the theme park so far over at Walt Disney World in Florida. Now, they just they brought this m- magic band that has been test running for the last couple months, and from last year in 2012, and uh, now more into 2013 with the Fast Pass Plus, where people are paying a little bit more premium in order to add um, attractions like Test Track, Big, um, Big Thunder Mountain, and so on and so forth. Um, also, different specification interactive elements over like a room charging, photo 
um, photo pass, and also hotel entry. Now, this is a little bit different from what we are usually known as the key to the world um, guest card. Now, those are the RFID cards that's currently using for those who are want to optim um, out up um, or out of not use of those um, technology. Now, Disney is really working really hard on this. Um, they already debuted already over at um, Typhoon Lagoon, um, already Disney Hollywood Studios, as well over at Disney um, Animals Kingdom. Um, they also added Touch to Pay element available over, down, over at Downtown Disney um, today as well. So, now there's this other element, Touch to Enter. That has been debuted over at um, Typhoon Lagoon. Now, the more information about my Magic Plus, as you already may know, that the Magic bands—that's like these little wrist polyester type of bands that you can usually, I don't know, teenagers usually wear. Um, you can see they have their own names. It's like Got Milk, and they come with all these funky colors. Now. Disney's adding this little technology where it's bendable, it's actually waterproof, um, it's great, it won't be used for, uh, it won't like deteriorate while it's in hot and extreme temperatures and as well as well using water. Now the technology uh, has been designed to handle that type of extreme temperatures. Also they include ventilation and it comes in different sizes and sizable to fit everybody else's wrist, which is really cool. Um, they also mentioned that it's very reusable. Now, the thing is, why I'm talking about this is Disney is just starting out with this. The way I'm looking at it is they can use this technology to also add to more interactive within the attractions um, and also more maybe multimedia with mobile apps. Since Disney already has mobile apps with the My Disney Experience app where you can see real-time uh, fast times, wait times um, on the mobile devices that you have, smartphones like iPhone, Android, um, and you get, get to see all attractions. Now with the My Plus, I'm saying that maybe each band can be designed to each guest that's within that little phone, maybe with a little GPS mechanism where it kind of shares, oh, okay, don't forget that we have a reservation within this area, or, hey, this will unlock a special location for the kids to um, go see a, a show, or uh, a character within the area. So um, I can see it will be definitely a great um, element to expand within the MyPlus experience as they are using that to touch to play, uh, touch to pay, and touch to enter. Now maybe they can incorporate that within their app to add more um, specifications and, and more personalized elements. Now recently there has been talks about the security of the Magic Band. Now Disney um, CEO Bob Iger did mention about in the blog post and as well through a census where the question about security, does this store any personal information? Now, Bob Barker did mention that the Magic Band does not contain any person, personal details about the guests. Instead, it contains a code that links to the Disney databases. This is much as the same way as the current ticket 
um, current tickets work. Now, I have seen that the key to the world is almost like a credit card. Well, it's actually a credit card where you can use your information to store um, your photos, and also um, you can use it for purchasing items in the park, and as well um, back into your hotel. I can see the magic band being that way, which is what they're currently testing. But again, we can only speculate that Disney is trying to keep him uh, security um, under wraps and keep it safe. Well, this is Randy Weaker signing off, and until then, next time, see ya. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner Nonstop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round trip Super Skyway tour. Welcome aboard, TTA travelers. Whether you're a humanoid, a robot, or an alien passenger, we hope you enjoy your trip along Tomorrowland Transit Authority's Super Skyway. All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show for show number 34 here at Disney On Demand. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the one and only Paul Kandel. Yes, Clopan himself, it is truly an honor having you stop in, tell your stories, and especially the backstories between the Hunchback of Notre Dame and how your character has evolved to become this key central character pulling the whole film together. We look forward to seeing you on Broadway and many other upcoming projects. So thank you once again for taking the time, talking with all of us D-heads, and we look forward to everything that you're providing in the future with all the talent that you have. Thank you once again for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D-team, yes, Lexi and Jason and Randy, for stopping in once again with their signature segments. Without the D-team here, you would have nothing more than myself rambling all show long. So thank you once again to the D-team. You definitely make the show happen. You make it entertaining and bring all the magic to all the D-heads out there. Thank you for coming on board and being part of the crew here at Disney On Demand. And most of all, I want to thank all of you the D-Heads. Yes, without you, we would not be coming to you every single week with new shows and fun with our new kind of Disney show. You wanted something different, you wanted something fun, and I hope we're providing that for you with the magic, the memories, and that appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. Thank you for tuning in every single week. Now before I let you go, and before I tell you who is going to be on next week's show for show number 35, I'm going to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. There you can find our full list of past shows, archives, and more, including our newest blogs and write-ups, and where you can interact and meet the D-Team. And that's officially at DizRadio.com. And you can also enjoy our famous Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can listen to over 300-plus movies, television specials, and more in our absolutely free Flash Player found right there on the homepage. And once again, that's DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also find us all over the social media outlets on Twitter and AOL Instant Messenger and Skype at Disney Blue. That's B-L-U. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. And you can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue. And once again, that's B-L-U. You can also call our Magical Memories hotline where you can leave shoutouts, questions, comments, and more, and even hear yourself here on the show. And you can find all these different ways to stay connected from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and more directly on our website at DizRadio.com. And remember, you can always download our absolutely free, 100% free iPhone app. 
All you have to do is look up D-I-Z Radio, all one word, and download our app right there where you can get all of these items and stay connected right there in the palm of your hand. So, all of you D-heads, there's lots of fun things going on, lots of things happening here at the DOD 76 Studios. So we have a lot of fun things coming up in the upcoming weeks. So I know what you want. I know what you're waiting to hear. Who is going to be the special guest next week here at Disney On Demand? Well, are you ready for this one? Because we're going to go a little bit of yin and yang, a little bit of dark and a little bit of light. Because we have none other than voice actor veteran. Somebody who has brought to life many different Disney characters as well as the iconic horror icon, the Crypt Keeper. Yes, we have John Kassir stopping in here next week for show number 35. So get ready for those tales from the crypt, some tales from voice acting, and some tales from John Kassir. So until next week, all of you D-heads, I will see you all over the internet, all over the web. Find us online and connect up with us. And as I always say, first and foremost, never neglect family for business. See you next week, all of you D-heads. Yes, if you can sing the bells of Notre Dame, what makes a monster and what makes a man? Whatever that pitch you can feel and bewitch you, the rich and the ritual bells of the Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.